This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with... Sam Peterson today representing Transitions Life Care. We've given Mary the day off. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, it's the groundhog saw a shadow earlier this week. So, but it was also 68 degrees the other day. So I'm not really sure. Is that just a Pennsylvania thing that it's six more weeks of winter up there? You know, there's a there's a Raleigh groundhog. Yeah, I think Sir, Sir Walter Wally or Raleigh or something like that. So <laughs> well, we've got to get his expert yes. opinion on this. But January was weird. I read something that uh, the lowest low in January was 15 degrees and the highest high was 79 degrees. So. It's, you know, welcome to North Carolina. Yeah. If you don't like the weather today, come back tomorrow. That's right. 64 degrees spread. How about that? Well, we've got a wonderful show lined up for today and we are going to be talking a lot about stroke awareness and education, and we brought in an expert for this. We are very pleased to welcome Melissa Overton. She is the owner of medicaltraining.me, and she gave me some alphabet soup beforehand, (laughs) a title, R-M-B-S-N. I can throw a whole bunch of other letters on there, too, if you'd like to, Melissa, but thank you, in all seriousness, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is my favorite thing to talk about, so I'm excited to to get started. We're excited to have you on too, because for those who don't know, you know, February, obviously we, we think about hearts. Valentine's Day is coming up. Jason, I hope you're ready for it. Oh gosh, thanks for reminding me. But it's also heart month in the sense of heart health and awareness month. So we wanted to kick off our first episode of the month by talking about all things stroke awareness and heart health. So Melissa, I know that you spend a lot of your time during this month and outside of February too, educating our community about the importance of stroke awareness and heart health. But can you start by sharing a little bit about your background and why you're so passionate about this topic? Yes, Sam. uh, I am a critical critical care nurse by background, and so I did EMS in college while I was at East Carolina, and I was going to be a big city. I was going to be a big city ER nurse at um, at at a ER, you know, in in Eastern North Carolina or Central North Carolina, and I made it to Wilson. Um, so I felt <laughs> like I really had arrived, and when I got there, I was amazed at the. Um, number of heart patients we had had having heart attacks mm-hmm. and strokes. I uh, did ER for quite a while, and then because I was really passionate about people and development, I was um, transitioned into an education role, and then later on, I did the intensive care. And so throughout my career, I was teaching these life-saving classes to healthcare providers, but my passion was also for educating our community because we can have all the resources available but if, if, our, if our community doesn't know what we've got and why they need to do things the way they do them, um, then, then they miss out on some of the opportunities mm-hmm. to make life-saving changes. So that's kind of what drove me into speaking about heart attack and stroke in eastern North Carolina. Absolutely. You've done, done a little bit of everything in your career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> so let's start by discussing strokes. We know that they can be so hard to detect in people sometimes. So what are some signs and symptoms you should be looking for to identify if someone's having a stroke? 
Yeah. So when we think about strokes, one of the challenges is is that when we think about heart attacks, we think call 911. Mm-hmm. When we think about strokes, we think about long-term disability, Shady Pines Nursing Home. Mm-hmm. You know. So I tell people, you know, it's really important that we start thinking of a stroke as a brain attack. Mm-hmm. So when we start suspecting that we think someone has a stroke, we need to call 911. So there's a really easy acronym that we even use in healthcare as our first glance assessment, and it's called FAST. We want you to act fast. F means that if your face is drooping or your face looks sideways, then that is a sign you could be having a stroke. A stands for arms, so if you see weakness on one side of your body, um, that could be a sign of a stroke. And S is for speech, so if the speech is slurs, or if they're using the wrong words or they can't speak at all, that's another strong indicator that someone's having a stroke. So the T in FAST means time to call 911. We want you to recognize that this is an emergency. And the interesting thing is, is that if one of those things happens, if the face is crooked or if the arm is weak or if the speech is slurred, if one of those things is present, there is actually a 72% chance that someone's having a stroke. And if all three are there, it's almost 90% predictive that someone's having a stroke. So we want you to call 911. Wow. So definitely when you see one of those signs, call 911 right away. Melissa, can right. we... Can if we you're ba- wrong, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> True. Will we, yeah. Will we be able to back up a little bit? And can you just explain what a stroke is and, and you know what's going on in our brains mm-hmm. when a stroke occurs? Yes. Yes. So when we talk about strokes, I want you to think about strokes as plumbing issues in the brain. So when you're having a stroke, usually it is either because your pipes are clogged, which is your number one cause. Um, Those are the ones that that cause most strokes, 87%, or your pipes have burst. Those are the ones that a lot of people will say they had an aneurysm. Um, They had a blood vessel pop in their brain. That is the bleeding stroke, and that's about 13% of all strokes. So when we look at why it's an emergency, we don't have blood flow going to the brain because either it's bleeding or because the pipes are clogged. And the best thing we can do is get you to a plumber to get that fixed, right? <laughs> so when we think about this, that's why we tell you to call 911 because there are actually treatments and interventions that we can do sometimes to reverse a stroke. Yes, we can reverse a stroke sometimes, but it's amazing how many people in our community aren't aware. Mm. That's so interesting. So it sounds like there's different types of strokes. Is that correct? Yes. So you have ischemic strokes uh, or or thrombotic strokes, which means your pipes are clogged, and that's 87% of all strokes. And then you have your bleeding strokes, your hemorrhagic strokes, which is 13%. So when we start thinking about what's going on with the stroke and why someone has it, one of the number one predictors we look at are risk factors. Mm. We look at um, whether or not you've got a family history of stroke, uh, and we also look at your health. Sometimes people have high cholesterol because of poor choices, and sometimes they have it because they inherited it. Mm -hmm. Another big, 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 big thing that causes strokes is smoking. And I know we're in eastern North Carolina, and I grew up here. I'm I'm a Johnston County native. Mm -hmm. And so I know that smoking and tobacco is is part of our economy. But smoking makes your blood vessels sticky. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, if I go to Bojangles and eat a biscuit, I know it's going to stick to my behind. There's no question. (laughs) However, if you're a smoker, the problem is, is it starts to stick inside your blood vessel walls. 
And then what happens over time is that's what happens with your pipes being clogged. I, I talk to my patients and I say, think about putting bacon grease down the sink. Hmm. Does that work very well? And they said, well, you might can get away with it once or twice. <laughs> and I said, okay. But then what happens afterwards? And they said, my sink gets clogged. Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, that's really our major focus when we think about strokes is, is the risk factors with that and, and kind of the measures to take. With bleeding strokes, a lot of times those come from uncontrolled high blood pressure. So we know that high blood pressure is a silent killer because a lot of people don't even know they're having blood pressure problems until they get it randomly checked or they go in for some headaches or some nosebleeds. Um, But it's the the, the bleeding strokes, basically, the blood vessels in your brain are like rubber bands. Mm -hmm. And if you stretch a rubber band and you let it go and you stretch a rubber band and you let it go, what eventually happens to the rubber band? It's going to snap eventually. Right. It's going to snap, right? And that's exactly what happens with those bleeding strokes. So we always tell people, you know, going for your annual checkups is so important because if we can catch some of these things early, then we can talk about lifestyle modifications that make it better and or medications that you may need to go on. And not anybody wants to go on a blood pressure medicine, Mm -hmm. but I tell people, if you stretch that rubber band too often, it's like the elastic in your underwear. Eventually, they don't work so well. <laughs> that is so true, and it's time to get a new pair. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> so after a stroke, I know you mentioned earlier that some strokes can be kind of reversible. So what are people's yeah. options for recovery? I know a lot of people kind of jump to the conclusion, oh, gosh, it's time for maybe placement in a nursing facility or something like that. So after a stroke event, what are people's options for recovery? So that's the exciting part. That's why we tell you to act fast. We want you to call 911, okay? We want you to call 911 because how it is managed and how quickly it's managed makes all the difference in the world. So one of the things that they'll ask you when you call 911 is they'll say, when were they last okay? When were they last known well? So if we look at that, that kind of sets the clock on some of the things we can do. Calling 911 means that they can notify the hospital ahead of time that you are showing signs and symptoms of a stroke because the first thing we need to know about your stroke is are your pipes clogged or have they burst? Mm -hmm. So the way we do that is a CAT scan. So we do a special x-ray of your brain. And the cool thing is, is if you call 911, EMS notifies the hospital, they actually empty that machine and they prioritize it for your loved one. So EMS would actually bring your loved one through the ER and go straight to the x-ray, to the radiology department, so that they can do that scan because we know time matters. Time is tissue. So when they look at that, all they're looking for on that CAT scan is, did your pipe burst? Because if we can't see evidence of bleeding, we want to give you medication, if it is safe, that can potentially reverse your stroke. So the medicine that I'm talking about is called TPA. It's been around for quite some time, Um, TPA, and it is a massive, massive, massive blood thinner. So one of the things that the doctors are doing while we're getting that CAT scan, while we're getting the information, is they're getting the person's medical history because there are certain things that go, oh, that's too much of a a risk for complication because there could someone could bleed to death. One percent of people that get the medication, one percent bleeds to death okay but you have 99 percent of other people that could get a change in their life because i'm going to break down the statistics but i want you to understand that when we look at this we have about three hours on average that we can give that medication before it's too late to give it since we last knew they were okay three hours the problem is 
three hours. That's not long at all. It sounds like a lot, but think about it. I, I'll use my family. You know, let's say my mother um, is is her hand's starting to go numb and she's got a bit of a headache. What's the first thing she's going to do? Is she going to call nine one one? No, she's going to go and say, you know what, I'm going to lay down for a minute. I think I overdid it. So the question is, is how quickly 911 can be called and then for us to run through the steps of the things we need to do. For my experts listening in, yes, there are some cases where we can give it up to four and a half hours. But on average, we're looking at a three-hour time clock in this situation. Yeah, acting fast is key, and that's what we got to do in that situation. We are speaking with Melissa Overton. She's the owner of medicaltraining.me, and we're going to continue our conversation all about stroke awareness right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson, and our guest on the line is Melissa Overton. She is the owner of medicaltraining.me, and we are talking all about stroke awareness right now. And Melissa, you went over uh, kind of the basics of what a stroke is and what we should be looking out for. And we were just talking about uh, kind of this window where treatment can happen, and you were getting into some really interesting statistics. Yes, Jason. So I get so excited about this because a lot of people aren't aware of the interventions that we can do to potentially reverse a stroke. And I keep saying potentially because nothing in life is 100%. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to throw some statistics at you. So if someone meets criteria, if the doctor screens them and says it is safe to give you this clot-busting medication because we don't want to create problems um, that would make things worse, but if you qualify for that, then they say that, you know, out of 100% of people who get this medication, <clears throat> out of 100 people, let's say that, out of 100 people that get the medication, 33 are going to get completely better, going to completely reverse your stroke. Wow. Another 33, right? Another 33 are going to get somewhat better, but not totally better. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's 66 people already whose lives have changed. Yeah. There's another 33 people who aren't going to get any results at all, and that's very disappointing. Mm -hmm. And then that leaves us with that smaller percentage left of those last 33, 34 people. We'll say of those last 33 people, five or six of those may develop some bleeding issues that we mm -hmm. have to deal with because this is a massive blood thinner. And as I mentioned before, one person could bleed to death. But when mm -hmm. we look at those statistics, 66 lives could change on some level. So that's what really got me excited and passionate about stroke education is because in 2015, the American Heart Association released some data and they said, we did a study of 100% people who met the criteria to get the TPA. So when they looked at all the strokes that had come in during their study and they saw all the people because of their health issues and this, that, and the other who would qualify to get this medication that 66% of the time could change their life. Do you know what percentage of those people made it to the hospital in time to get the medicine? Ooh, 
I'm going to say, I'm going to try to be optimistic and say okay. 70%. Oh, and see, this mm. is what breaks my heart. Mm. The truth is 3%. <gasps> wow. That's staggering, isn't it? That is absolutely staggering that only 3% made it to the hospital. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it means that the hospitals aren't ready, right? I'm a nurse. I immediately blame us first. And the truth <laughs> was, no, even if the hospital has all the pieces in place, that only changes your numbers to 6%. Because the problem is we don't know as a community to call 911. We don't know that a stroke is a brain attack. And that's why I just, my heart broke because this is my family. This is my community that I'm looking at. And when I give these talks, when I look out in the audience, I see the faces. I see the confusion. Mm -hmm. I see the frustration. I see the anger. But I didn't know. So that's why we've got to get the word out. And let me tell you, even if it's beyond three hours since they were last known okay, we have hope. Today, there is a procedure called endovascular thrombectomy, and basically, we go in and we root the brain. So if you think about 20 years ago, what we were doing with the heart, that's what we're doing with the brain now. Wow. So not everyone having a stroke can do that, but here's the good news. Let's say I call mama. I talk to my mom every night. She's my favorite person in the whole world. <laughs> Love you, mama. Hope everything's okay. I call her at 9 o'clock at night. We have a great conversation. So the next morning, I go to call mom at 7.30 to say good morning, and mama doesn't answer the phone. And I think, well, good for mom. She's sleeping in a little bit, right? <laughs> right. So I call back an hour later, and mom doesn't answer the phone. What am I going to do? I'm going to call her neighbor and say, I need you to go over and check on her. Mm-hmm. So if... Mom, she goes over and checks on mom, and mom is laying in bed with those signs and symptoms. Remember, face drooping, speech is slurred, arms are weak. If she has any of those, she's in bed not communicating, then they need to call 911. Well, she's missed her last known okay window of three Mm -hmm. hours because the last time I knew she was okay was at 8.30 last night. However, now with endovascular thrombectomy, they can consider doing that procedure up to 24 hours since the person was last known okay. Wow. This is amazing. I cried like a baby when I heard about this because I thought, how many lives are going to change and how many long-term disabilities? You know, stroke is the fifth killer, but it's the number one cause of disability Mm. um, in the United States. How many lives could change if we can just get them to the hospital in time to get these interventions done. Mm-hmm. That's so true. It's, you know, that's so interesting to learn because I think a lot of people in the past have always heard of stroke and kind of think, oh, that's going to be really hard to treat if you've got that narrow window of time. But it's great to know that there's so many different interventions out there available to us now. Yeah. And, you know, that also don't lose hope. If they can't do these things, we are learning to be more aggressive with physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And you think about the in-home care, whether you're in a facility or where you're, mm-hmm. whether you're in-home in a place where transitions coming in and work with you and a team's coming in. If we can do some aggressive physical therapy, we don't give up on disability until after a year. Your oh, wow. brain actually will fight for a year to try to recover some of that if they have that aggressive work. To get, to get it done. So we tell people, don't rule it out. Good to know. Which also makes me think of many strokes, mm-hmm. okay? 20 years ago, as a new ER nurse at Wilson Medical Center, if you had a mini stroke, everybody in the healthcare ministry, because it's not just Wilson, everybody said, ooh, you dodged a bullet. Go home, and we hope everything turns out okay. Mm-hmm. And we're finding out now, no. A mini stroke, so a TIA, it looks like a stroke, but usually it gets better within an hour. 
Um, it can take up to 24 hours to completely regain things. That is a warning sign that you are at risk for having a massive stroke. So mm -hmm. you need to get checked out. You need to call 911 because actually we're admitting people to the hospital now. We're doing tests. The big thing we look at is we do an ultrasound of your neck. Um, your doctors actually, when they listen to your neck with a the stethoscope, they're listening to see if there's a difference in the sound of your blood flow that will let us know there's narrowing there because we know a lot of of those um, clogged pipe strokes, a lot of them come from the the, um, the gunk that gets in our neck artery. Oh, wow. And so when we have uh, that mini stroke, when we have that TIA, it's important that you get it checked out. Interesting enough, if you ignore it, there's a 30% chance that you're going to have another mini stroke or massive stroke in three months. There's a 60% chance that you're going to have another event in six months, and there's a 90% chance you're going to have one in nine months. So it is not something we ignore. This is something you want to be proactive about. Why would you want to risk being disabled if we can go in and find what's causing you to have many strokes and fix it before it happens? Mm, that's so true. It, it's so interesting to learn about. I actually just um, had a, a good family friend whose dad had several many strokes Um I think it was over this past summer and was hospitalized and thankfully was, was there in time. I was able to get good treatment for it and has been doing well. And, um, you know, it's something too, when I talk in my day to day at transitions to a lot of patients and families, sometimes people find out they've had several mini strokes and they don't even know. Right. Right. And that's the scary part. So mm -hmm. that's why we have to have awareness. And this is a conversation that you just don't listen to um, on the radio today and go, oh, that was interesting. This is a conversation you have with your loved ones. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is the kind of thing that you take back to your family and say, hey, you know, at the dinner table, hey, by the way, did you know that when somebody has a stroke that you can call 911 and sometimes they can reverse it? Because people will listen to that. Mm -hmm. And I actually gave this talk to um, a rotary group uh, because I give these talks for free all the time. And a man came up to me last year, and I'll try not to get emotional talking about it, but he said, do you know who I am? And I said, well, no, sir, I, I, I recognize your face, but I don't know your name. And he introduced himself to me, and he said, you know, he says, I listened to you talk a year ago about strokes. He says, and I went home and I talked to my wife about it, and he said, when I had mine, she knew to call 911. He says, I'm not disabled. Thank you. Wow, that's wow. amazing. And that just, oh. That's the reward. You know, I don't Absolutely. care about anything else. But when you know that one person's life changed because they heard the message, that's worth everything. Everything. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's why it's so important that uh, we spend some time on this awareness to let people know and so that uh, they can act fast when they notice the signs and symptoms <laughs> of a stroke. We are speaking with Melissa Overton. She is a RMBSN and owner of medicaltraining.me. And we're going to continue our conversation with her. And we're going to shift a little bit more now to the heart when we continue our conversation. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. 
If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, you can go online anytime. It's a wonderful resource. Just go to transitionslifecare.org. Transitions Life Care. Org. I am Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson, and our guest on the line is Melissa Overton. She is the owner of medicaltraining.me, and we just spent uh, two segments here talking about stroke awareness, and uh, it's, it's awesome to hear Melissa's passion on that subject, but we're going to now uh, focus on heart health right now, Sam. Yes. And we wanted to touch on the topic of heart attacks, too, in that. So, you know, we hear a lot of different things about signs and symptoms to look for uh, to recognize a heart attack. And it can really get so confusing. I know I'm not going to call you out, my mom, but my grandmother sometimes (laughs) can be. um, She suffers from a hiatal hernia. So when she eats something that upsets it, it really causes her a lot of chest pain. And, you know, even someone who has GERD or really bad indigestion, you know, oh my gosh, you can feel that burning in your chest. And for her, a lot of times she thinks she may be having a heart attack. And fortunately, unfortunately for her, the hospital's down the street from her house. Um, So she (laughs) pops over there quite frequently just to get it checked out. But Melissa, what are some signs and symptoms people should really be looking for to identify a heart attack? And when should you be calling 911 or going to the hospital for it? Well, I'm going to defend your grandma just a little bit because I understand completely what she's doing. And here's our theory in critical care. We would rather be wrong and, and you know, rather you be wrong mm-hmm. and everything be okay than you to ignore it and go, you know what, I'm not going to call this time because it's always this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not encouraging everybody and their mother to always run to the ER, but let's remember what that resource is for. And let's remember that, that heart attacks are a very big deal, Um not to scare you even more, but heart attacks have actually increased by 52% as a result of COVID. Wow. So we're seeing people get that sticky blood, and, and we're not really sure why that's happening right now, but we know that it is increasing risk for heart attacks even in 20-year-olds. So it's kind of crazy that even the young people um, who are going to be even in more denial about what's going on mm-hmm. are just going on. So we think about signs and symptoms of a heart attack. Uh, men and women are a little bit different. So classically, we talk, especially with men, about that chest pain, that chest pressure, that chest tightness. Um, a lot of men will come in and they'll say that they feel like there's an elephant standing on their chest mm-hmm. or a center block on their chest or a vice grip on their chest. And they'll make a fist and they'll dig it straight into the center of their chest. And so when men come in and their fist is in their chest, and they're trying to point to where the chest pain is with their fist. We actually know that is a high indicator that someone is actually having a cardiac issue. It's kind of interesting, some of the research that's been done on that. Mm -hmm. So we think about that chest pain and that chest pressure. We also think about that pain going up the neck into the jaw. It can go across the shoulders and especially down the left arm. Um, In this situation, a lot of times people will get um, really short of breath and really, really sweaty. Like it will be 17 degrees outside and they have beads of sweat rolling off of mm. them. So when we think about this, remember how I talked about strokes were either clogged pipes or burst pipes? Mm-hmm. Heart attacks, yeah. Heart attacks are clogged pipes. So in this situation, what happens sometimes is interesting is um, 
the blockage occurs, or let's say someone is putting up Christmas ornaments or shoveling the snow out of the driveway, because mm-hmm. you know we don't have the equipment we need here for that. So, so true. you shovel in the driveway, <laughs> and all of a sudden the chest starts feeling tight. They start getting really short of breath and really, really sweaty. Then a lot of times what people will do is they'll sit down and go, "Man, I'm out of shape. I, oh, I got to get in better shape," and they don't think so much about it. Mm. That is actually, when someone has that, basically that means that you have, remember that fat on your blood vessel walls we talked about? Mm -hmm. That's happened in your heart. So when you do something that requires you to use more energy, then those blood vessels have to squeeze down to make the blood flow better. Then it shuts off your blood flow. But when you rest, it relaxes. Hmm. That is actually an indicator. When you have chest pain like that and it goes away, that can actually be an indicator of a 70 to 80% blockage of a major artery. Wow. Okay. Women, on the flip side, complain of some of the same things, but inevitably they think it's indigestion. Hmm. A lot of women will feel that pressure in their chest, but they'll swear it's gas. If I can just eat a few more Toms. Mm -hmm. Um, A very, very, very dear person in my life ate like a whole roll of Toms or a whole thing of Toms, you know, one Sunday while the family went to church. And when the family came home from church, she said, y'all going to take me to the hospital. And she ended up with, I think, a triple bypass. Wow. Um, Years ago. And we were all shocked. Because she was a healthcare provider as well. So she huh. knew all the signs and symptoms. But again, she was like, oh, this is just really bad gas. It's mm-hmm. really bad gas. And so fortunately, she got there in time. What happens is when you have chest pain that is crushing and it will not go away, we know you have a 90 to 100% blockage of a major mm-hmm. artery. So it is time to call 911. Mm-hmm. It is time to call 911 because all of the interventions we need to do are right in front of you. And when you redneck it to the hospital, which is my term for my family, <laughs> love my family. Hey, but I we are notorious. <laughs> right. We're notorious. We'll throw them in the front seat of the car and dare somebody to pull us over for speeding. You know? I'm like, <laughs> why do we do that? So when we do that, we mess up the system. When you call 911, they EMS is trained to do a special mm-hmm. check on your heart. It's called an EKG. So they put the stickers on your chest. Mm-hmm. And basically, electricity won't go through areas that blood flow is not getting to. Mm. So literally, that, that electrical reading on the paper, it takes, a, it takes like a U-turn, like a detour, right? And so then EMS goes, uh-oh, they're not getting blood flow there. This is a heart attack. Once they realize that, they are able to call ahead. And remember before I told you you had plumbing problems. Mm-hmm. So just like with a blockage stroke, you can either get liquid plumber or you can get the rotor rooter done. <laughs> and the best thing for you to do is to go in and go onto that cath lab, that cardiac cath lab, where they can go in and do surgery and they can unblock your blockage right away. That mm-hmm. is your best chance of having the best outcomes in that situation. But the clock, they only come in when the experts call them in. As much as I know, if I called them and said, I'm convinced my dad's having a heart attack right now and you guys need to get ready, I don't have any testing equipment to let them know, sure. So they're not going to call in a heart team to come in and do surgery based on my word on that, okay? Mm -hmm. The other problem that can happen is the heart gets very irritated because it's not getting blood flow, and so people die. They go into cardiac arrest, their heart stops, and they need CPR. And I unfortunately have been the nurse in the ER that has told a family member, I'm so sorry, they died on the way here. Mm. And that's horrible. You don't want that burden. You want EMS who are trained professionals 
to be here and to respond and do the things that need to be done, mm-hmm. they have all of that there. They have a team that can help them in that. Yeah, it's that so important. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to get that help, even if you do, you know, just live down the street from the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm curious, too, for personal knowledge, um, you know, in my family, my dad's side of the family has a long history of heart disease and heart attack. Um, my dad's dad, my grandfather, died very young before I was even born of a heart attack, and uh, he had an uncle who did as well. Uh, so if you know you have a family history of heart disease and heart attack, when should you consider seeking out a cardiologist? I know for my dad, it was one of his priorities pretty early on, as soon as he kind of reached the age where he knew his dad um, had passed from a heart attack. He was like, oh, I need to I need to start seeking some professional help. It really freaked him out. Um, so when is the best yeah. time really to do so? You know, is it in your 30s and your 50s? Sam, I think that that's where having a primary care doctor to help make that decision with you is so important. Mm -hmm. You need to go for annual physicals. When you know that your family has crappy genetics that put you at risk for things, it is not smart to stick your head in the sand. It is better to go get your regular checkups. Let your doctor look because they're going to measure things like your your triglyceride levels, right, your fat levels, and they're going to measure your weight, and they're going to measure your blood pressure and your blood sugar because all of those things impact your heart health. So going for those annual checkups. And then if Mm -hmm. you are at high risk, I don't think it's unheard of to go in at at 40, Mm -hmm. you know, but really um, it just depends on your risk. And I tell people, you know, you really just want to communicate with a family doctor and you want to have a relationship so they know you, Mm -hmm. they understand your history um, so that when you need the help and you need the referral, you need the information, you don't always have to have a primary care doctor send you, your regular family doctor doesn't have to send you to cardiology, but if they've helped kind of look at your risk factors, that will help prioritize when you do have some serious concerns come up. That's good to know. That is good to know. We are speaking with Melissa Overton. She is the owner of medicaltraining.me, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Melissa Overton, owner of medicaltraining.me, and we've covered stroke, heart attack, and and now we want to get into heart health and a few other things before we head out today, Sam. Mm -hmm. We want to hit, you know, we've talked to you all about stroke and heart attack, but we want to kind of shift and talk about what we can do maybe to prevent some of these things from happening. So, Melissa, why is heart health so important? Because so much of what happens with heart attack and stroke can be prevented. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the hard part is, is we have to make a choice in life every day. And trust me, I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to anyone else. <laughs> but, you know, are, are we doing the right things to take care of this vessel that God gave us? You mm-hmm. know, are we, are we um, you know, taking care of our temple? So when we think about that, you know, regular checkups, I cannot emphasize enough mm-hmm. why you need to go and get your annual checkup. Those are free. Usually your insurance 
wants you to go and get those done because it is cheaper for them if you take care of yourself, right? So mm-hmm. they very much have a, a foot in the game. And even um, with some insurance coverage carriers, if you look, it's not something they, they have that's easy to find sometimes. But I know like with Blue Cross, there's actually a program where you can join a wellness program for $30 a month and it lets you have access to like gyms all over Eastern North Carolina or actually it's all over the nation. Let me take it back. So if you're a traveler and you're going to be in LA teaching or, you know, in a business meeting, it'll tell you what gyms go to and it's 30 bucks a month Hmm. and you got access. And I believe there were at least six or seven gyms in Johnston County when I looked at that program and I was like, Oh my gosh, 30 bucks a month. So we look at that, you know, getting our checkups, using those incentives, which means we need to move more, okay? Mm-hmm. Did you know that 10 minutes of movement three times a day is just as effective as 30 minutes of continuous exercise? No, but that makes me feel a lot better about some of my slower days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know, and it's doable. You know, sometimes you have to eat that elephant one bite at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can do a little 10-minute walk. Uh, when I worked at, at Wilson Medical Center, uh, we had this wonderful wellness coordinator named Paula, and she had these little times where if you could get away for 10 minutes, they had time set up and you just walk away with everybody. You'd lap the hospital several times, you know. Mm-hmm. And with COVID, I'm sure things have changed with that. But it just was an encourager for me that, you know, what, if I could do 10 minutes three times a day, I didn't fail. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't get it done. Other things we can do is just think about if you can take the stairs instead of the elevator, take the stairs. Mm -hmm. If you can park further away in the parking lot, pretend like you have the nicest car in the parking lot and park way out there (laughs) so that nobody dings your car doors. So it's just those little things. Uh, When we look at nutrition, we know that we are what we eat. um, And we are such a a fast food world today because Mm -hmm. we're so fast paced. Everything we do is fast and everything we do is microwave. Um, I know as a single mom, sometimes I feel like I fail because I'm like, my kids are not getting the, the home-cooked suppers every night that my mom gave me. And I and I look at her and I'm like, mom, you worked all the time and you fed us. And for that, I just salute you mm-hmm. because I'm like, how in the world <laughs> did she do it? You know? And I remember sometimes thinking, if I eat green beans one more time and now I get it, I'm like, all you can do is throw some in a pot and warm those circuits up. Canned vegetables are still good, but because of the high sodium, if you rinse them before you cook them, it actually takes a lot of salt out. Hmm. So that's a little fun fact. Um, Smoking, stop smoking. Do your best to stop smoking. (laughs) And that doesn't mean start vaping. Um, (laughs) God knows what we're putting into our lungs. You know, I think of my grandfather and the Agent Orange lung damage that he had, and I think Mm -hmm. of vaping, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. 10, 20 years from now, we're going to see all this scarring of the lungs, and we're going to say, oh, it was from the cotton candy vape. You know, I'm like, (laughs) oh, my goodness. And somebody said with an American Heart campaign one time, they said, they said, you know, I said, those those flavored vapings are targeting the children. She said, because I've never seen a, a farmer pull up on a tractor and pull out a vape pen with some cotton candy or mango. <laughs> so and true. I died laughing. I was like, oh, my gosh. Medications. <laughs> if your doctor puts you on medicines, take them. It is not a sign of weakness. The good Lord gave us technology so that we could do some of these things to take better care mm-hmm. of ourselves. So if you're supposed to be taking blood pressure medicine, take it, daggone it. It does make you feel a little bit weaker up front, but it's because your body has to adjust to normal blood pressure again. That is that is short-term pain for long-term gain. It's all about taking care of your temple. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Some very good steps to take. I know I need to uh, do a little bit better about maybe hitting that DoorDash and Grubhub and some of those services a little less often. <laughs> 
Yeah, Panera loves me. Yes. <laughs> they're my healthiest choice. So they see me about three days a week. <laughs> So, Melissa, I wanted to talk a little bit, too. I know you're really involved in a lot of initiatives around uh, Heart Month and with the American Heart Association. And and for those who don't know, uh, yesterday, the 4th, was National Wear Red Day. So can you talk a little bit about that initiative and maybe some other ones that you've been working on? Yeah. So Johnston County, Johnston Health uh, initiated three or four years ago a program called All in Red, And it is absolutely amazing. The entire focus of the All in Red campaign is to pull everybody in Johnston County that we can get involved to come in and help support our efforts to increase awareness in our community about heart attack and stroke. That is our primary focus. There is some fundraising that is done along the way, and uh, that's great because all the monies that we raise go back to helping our patients in need in our community, 100% of those funds go back to helping patients in need but our primary focus is getting this information out to you so if you have a group or an organization that needs some heart healthy education similar to what I've done with you today if you will call Jessica Medlin at 919-209-3594 again Jessica Medlin at Johnson Health with the Johnson Health Foundation 919-209 three five nine four she would be happy to set you up with one of us to come and speak at your facility free of charge this is our gift to you this is our passion for our community to make a difference Mm -hmm. the other thing i wanted to fill you in on is this amazing um it's not supposed to be the best kept secret but there is something (laughs) called the johnson county ems uh subscription service so every July, you may notice in Johnston County, because I know our viewers or our listeners are, are extended beyond, so be jealous and ask your counties if they're doing the same thing. <laughs> Johnston County recognized, right, go Joko. Um, <laughs> Johnston County recognized that a lot of people who needed 911 weren't calling because they were worried about the bill. And it's our aging population who is so financially responsible that they really worry about those things. Mm-hmm. And, and so in order to honor those people, and to honor people in need, they said they never wanted you calling 911 to be barrier because you were worried about the bill, okay? And I, I recognize this with my own family members. Mm-hmm. So this subscription service, and look it up because I did not look it up in preparation today, but I believe <laughs> it is $60 a year. And this subscription service basically is like an additional insurance plan. If you need to call 911 in the next year or your loved ones in the house because it's one per family in the household, and you need to call 911, Whatever your bill is after your insurance is paid is written off. Wow. It's written off. We want people who are having strokes and heart attacks to call 911. We don't want that to be a barrier in our community. And so that's something I'm very proud of. And you can go on the Johnston County EMS website and get that information to sign up for that program. That's such an awesome program because I know that that really is a barrier a lot of times for a lot of people calling 911 because that can be such an expense for people. Um, So, Melissa, where would you recommend for people maybe outside of Johnston County or in other areas listening? um, Where could they go to see if there's any type of similar programs in their county or area? I would check with their county EMS. Because that's where all of this is coming out of Mm -hmm. is the county EMS system because the money's raised for that. They're using to make sure they have state-of-the-art equipment, that the training is up to speed. Um, And I know there were other counties looking at similar programs. I'm just not sure what's out there outside of my community. Um, But checking with the county EMS system is a great place to start. 
county EMSs also have paramedic programs now, community paramedic programs, Mm -hmm. because they're also trying to reduce the number of readmissions to the hospital by making sure that people with heart issues are are being watched and optimized, that things are as good as possible, and so that they don't get to a place where they have to go back in the hospital because they're so sick again. So that's something that I know all the counties are doing is that that, uh, community paramedic program as well, and I believe you get referred to that through your doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Or your cardiologist. They're a great program. Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. We're just about out of time. If folks want to find more about you and medicaltraining.me, I mean, obviously they can go to that website, but what's the best way to get a hold of you and find more information? I was going to say, if you want to email me for any of this information or to come and speak, um, in addition to speaking with Jessica, you can reach me at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at medicaltraining.me. Melissa at medicaltraining.me. Thank you so much, guys, for letting me just pour my heart out on these two topics. As you can tell, I get a little bit excited. (laughs) We appreciate that excitement. Yeah, we love the passion. And thank you so much for your time and for sharing uh, this wonderful information and awareness with the audience today. Melissa Overton, owner of medicaltraining.me and RMBSN as well. We really appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining us today. We are out of time, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.